podcast at moresportsnow.com. We cover both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener in our Jersey studio. I'm joined by Matt Lachlan. And on the line, we have John McAlevey. Today, we'll talk about the Devil's Big Lottery win. We'll have some thoughts on uh, Monday's national championship. And golf's first and best major, in my opinion, gets underway Thursday in Augusta. We'll, uh, we'll talk about who we like there. But the big story here and a great night for the Devils, Matt. They get the number one pick. And how about this? The Rangers get the number two pick. So that adds some drama to it. So a uh, big night again for the Devils. Oh, it was absolutely huge. The day before on Monday, Ray Shiro addressing the media along with uh, owner uh, Josh Harris. He owns the team along with David Blitzer. And uh, the coach, John Hines, addressed the media. It was a breakup day and the players said goodbye for the offseason. And the constant theme among the top three there was the team needs more talent, which was not a revelation, but it was admitting what we all know. Uh, in order to get better, the Devils had to get more talented on the ice. Now, there were circumstances that led to the season they had, injuries principal among them. But even when they were fully healthy, there were some issues in terms of their depth on the ice. And so... In one fell swoop, they knew they were going to get somebody good because the worst they could have finished in the lottery was sixth. But they get the top pick, and they, in all likelihood, I can't see any other choice than Jack Hughes, uh, the the great star for the United States National Development Team program, being their selection. And is he considered that generational talent? No. Like kind of a Connor McDavid-type player? Nobody should compare Mm – Anybody to Connor McDavid. Okay. Like Connor McDavid's on a separate plane. Mm-hmm. His gifts are incredibly special. Mm-hmm. That's not to put Jack Hughes down. He's outstanding. But anybody that uses Connor McDavid mm-hmm. as, as an example is really, it's like comparing somebody to Michael Jordan right. or LeBron James. Right. Right. No, it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair to anybody. Uh-huh. Connor McDavid is incredibly special. Mm-hmm. That being said, Jack Hughes is a very good player. Most of us would be lying if they said they followed the U.S. National Development Team program mm-hmm. regularly and saw a lot of his mm-hmm. games. But by every report, he is the man. And then, of course, there's the, another player that's it was always one and two here, and that's uh, and a great name, Capo Kako uh, from Finland. Uh, again, he just turned 18, so Jack Hughes, 17. Uh, he just turns 18. A little bigger, um, it's it, it's said that uh, the Rangers will take him if the Devils didn't take him, obviously. So it's it's one and two, it looks like, Hughes and, and Kako. Yeah, that's the consensus, that those are the clear-cut choices. It's a, a very deep draft, according to all the scouts, and so that there will be players who are selected three through ten who will, at some point, and it might take a year or two, make an impact in the National Hockey League, but looking for immediate rewards. Those are the two players that everyone spoke about. Um, There has been some recent speculation that the margin between the two has narrowed, and I think that that is just generally the horse trading and the BS that goes on as you lead up to the draft because – like nobody really knows, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know how a player is going to respond to the National Hockey League playing with men, the change in conditions, the pressures. I mean, it's real life. Not to suggest that playing in the Finnish league or playing for the U.S. national program is not, but now you're playing with men. So how do you react? Uh, that being said, you build through the middle. And mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is a center. He's sublime. That's how you build championships, kind of like baseball, up the middle. And so I cannot see the Devils drafting a forward, although 
Kako has a, a, a winger, I should say, although Kako has played some center during mm-hmm. his career. So there'll be what still a lot of speculation. What do you think the odds are, Matt, that after the, uh, the lottery went down last night, or maybe it was this morning, that Knicks general manager Scott Perry was on the phone with Ray Shiro to see if maybe he could sit next to him on the podium, or perhaps maybe <laughs> Taylor Hall, who has had his luck. I understand when he was in Edmonton, they picked three times first overall, and now he's been traded to the Devils, and they've won the lottery twice. Maybe one of those good luck pieces will sit next to him, and, and Zion Williamson will become a Nick. What do yeah, you think? I would say it's more likely that Taylor Hall's the one that you would want because of the numbers that you, you pointed out, John. Five times in his nine years, the team he's with has been selected number one, and that's through changes in the lottery system, too. So he put out yeah. a tweet last night saying that people talk about Gretzky's 92 goals as being an unattainable feat. He's throwing out the fact that five first-round picks in nine opportunities with a change in the lottery might be equal to that in terms of being an unbeatable record. (laughs) It's really unbelievable. I mean, when you think about that, that's nuts. I I, I see that the Devils had an 11.5% chance of winning, and the Rangers only 7.5%. So it just goes to show, you know, the Knicks have lost all of these games and it's not, I mean, obviously the, the two leagues, their systems mm-hmm. are set up differently, but it's yeah. not a given that if you finish last, you're going to wind up with the prize. Oh, no. I mean, Colorado, which held Ottawa's pick, the number one possibility, the highest percentage of getting the number one pick, uh, two seasons ago, entering the 2017 draft, they had one of the worst seasons in NHL history. And they fell back to fourth. Last night, they had the best odds because they held Ottawa's pick. They hold Ottawa's pick. And they fell back to fourth again. So you just yeah. don't know how it's going to work out. I mean, it really is random. The NBA is a little different. Top three teams each have a 14% chance. Uh, or when I say the top three, the bottom three. Uh, teams. Yeah. The bottom three teams have a 14% chance each of getting the top pick. <laughs> the NHL weighted it a little bit more. So it was 18 and a half for one, 13 and a half for two. And the devil said with the third worst record and thus the 11 and a half that you mentioned. And they must feel incredibly fortunate that second time in what, three years now they get that, you know, they get that. First oh, the difference and, is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, had they right. slid back, let's just say they slid back to fifth, which is possible. You can only fall three spots. So they knew going in, they would be no worse than sixth. Uh, that's if the other teams in the lottery and their slight percentages, but it could happen, jump ahead of you. The worst that could happen is you move down to sixth. Anyway, uh, they knew they would get a good player. They knew two years ago they would get a good player if they didn't select number one. They went in fifth that time and were able to beat the odds, so to speak, and get Nico Heischer. But the difference is night and day. Uh, If the Devils, say, fell to fifth last year, or last night, excuse me, you know, the sales tickets, not as office mm-hmm. is not as busy today as it is now. Uh, speculation about Taylor Hall, who at that breakup meeting said, look, um, uh, and because he can sign a contract extension starting July 1st. He's got one more year next year under uh, where he's under contract, but he can sign an extension starting uh, July 1st. And and he said, look, you know, I, I want to see what Ray Shiro, I like it here. Um, I like the way I've been treated. I like New Jersey. The fans have been great, but I want to see what we do this summer because he has never 
except for last year, and it was a five-game visit, been in the playoffs in his career. He's more often than not been on bad teams. And he wanted to see what the Devils were going to do in terms of free agency and the draft and what have you. And this certainly helps. Well, I would think it does because now he knows that he's either going to play with Nico Heischer or, again, presumably, I can't speak for the Devils, Jack Hughes. I can't, again, see them taking anybody other than this kid. So now you know you've got a superb center no matter which way you go, and the future looks bright. So everything changed for the Devils last night in terms of outlook for this offseason. There's a lot of juice in the office. Everyone's Mm -hmm. pumped. Sponsorship will be up. Ticket sales will be mm-hmm. up. And if they sign Hall, re-sign Hall, that'll exponentially increase sure. both of those areas. Matt, how about the radio uh, play-by-play guy? Is he pumped up this morning? <laughs> oh, very much so, Johnny. Look, you come to the rink, you're like a player, right? You come to the yeah. rink and you do your best. And each night, each game is a chapter in an 82-chapter season. And anything yeah. can happen. Some nights, you know, you're going to beat the Washington Capitals 6 nothing. Other times you're going to lose and give up nine goals to Calgary and lose 9-4. to four. It's just that's the way it goes. But you have to bring it each night. But you know in the big picture that it has little impact on where you're going to go. And that became apparent for the Devils, you know, maybe a little more than halfway, a little less than halfway through the season. It was apparent that unless they had a miraculous finish, they were not going to go to the playoffs. doesn't really diminish what you do as a pro, but absolutely, when you come to the rink knowing that night in and night out you have a chance to win, it elevates everybody, including mm-hmm. those in the broadcast booth. No doubt. And think about it, fellas. It has been, there hasn't been much success on the playing fields and rinks and whatnot for the professional teams in New York. And so... This next month to two months, the drafts have become like their Super Bowls. And look, the Jets will pick third. The Giants pick six and 17. The Devils will pick one. Hopefully the Knicks will pick one. It's right. it's exciting yeah. for not on the field results, but maybe off the field. that will start to build these teams back into championship caliber programs. No question. And, and from a Devils standpoint, absolutely. They have turned the corner. The talent level is better than it was a few years ago. It'll get better with this draft. They also have a ton of second-round picks in what is considered a fairly verdant draft. I mentioned the top 10. Everyone's excited about those guys. But beyond that, it's supposed to be a very good draft. And so the Devils have three second-round picks. Excuse me, a little morning fog. And they know they will get players uh, as this draft moves along that will help them, not this coming year because – those picks are generally more developmental, but the skill set will be there. And so mm-hmm. they're very, very excited about what the future holds. So let's talk about the actual pick uh, if they go with Jack Hughes. And I, and I want to ask about size, Matt, because, you know, it's a very physical game. Um, but, you know, speed is valued more than ever, right? So, I mean, he's not big, 5'10", 170, whereas uh, Kako is, is 6'2", 195. Uh, you know, your first year in the league with the big boys, in a sense, is there is there a physical concern there? No, uh, there is a learning growth. Mm-hmm. You're playing with men. The games come all the time. Um, you know, it, it's not like, hey, we've got a weekend series and then we've got four days to practice and rest and recover. It's game back to back, day off another game, you know, four and six. You're playing against men. Uh, you're playing against people for whom this is their livelihood. It's not just for fun, which is not to suggest that 
the U.S. national program is not playing teams uh, where they're hoping that their future is bright. And in the National Hockey League, it's a highly competitive league they play in the United States Hockey League. Same thing in Finland in their in their National League. They're men and they're playing for their livelihoods, but this is the best league in the world. So that's the big challenge. How do you handle 82 games against men, the highs and lows? But physically, it's not as it's not as physically uh, dominant or the league is not as physically involved as it once was. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. That's pretty good size. He'll fill out. He, you know, he'll play at 5'10", 185 pounds. I don't know if he stopped growing. He might be, you know, 5'11". He might get to six foot. I don't know. He's got inordinate speed, mm-hmm. inordinate hands, inordinate sense, inordinate compete. Mm-hmm. There's there's too much in his toolbox for it to fail. And if you look you at You know, Matt, it's you know, like we say sometimes with the NFL combine, you see a guy who turns out to be, you know, he might not be big enough or he doesn't run his 40 time is not great. And what gets lost in the mix sometimes is, hey, listen, guys, put on the tape and watch him play. I mean, I, I don't know too much about Jack Hughes, but just looking at some of the some of the write-ups with him, I mean, he rewrote the record books. He's put up 202 points over the last two years, which blows away some big names, you know, Patrick Kane and Kessel and Matthews and whatnot. So put on the tape, fellas. I, I see your point. Playing with men is completely different, but it's not like, you know, he's really small and is a waif and is not going to get where he wants to go on the ice. No, but you can see, say, in Nico Heischer, a change in his body over the two well, years. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, get in the weight weight room, work with the sports performance group that the Devils have put together, and he has put on more weight. He's matured. He's now 20. You know, he came into the league, he was 18. Jack Hughes will mature like any. I mean, Steve, you have a senior in high school, Mm -hmm. same age as Jack Hughes. Mm -hmm, He's not going to look in three years the way he looks today. Mm -hmm. And if he was put into a professional environment where all he did was work to increase mm-hmm. his strength and his core and his quickness, he would look radically different, but he's going to mature anyway. And so mm-hmm. his body is just going to look different at 21 than it does at 17. And that's what will happen with Jack Hughes as well. But the skill set's there and the DNA is there. I mean, his father played in college. He played professionally in Europe. His mother played on the U.S. Olympic team. Right. Uh, she's in the University of New Hampshire's Hall of Fame. So he comes from an athletic family. Yeah. His older brother, Quinn, uh, made his NHL debut this year for the Vancouver Canucks, played at Michigan, left at the end of their season, got into a handful of games. He's a defenseman. It's just there. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, This is a terrific hockey player. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. So what, June 21st is the draft? That's a great question. I don't know. I know yeah, it's in I, Vancouver. Okay, I yeah. don't know. So the it's June 21st in, in Vancouver. So uh, that, it'll be uh, that'll be exciting. And, um, you know, you know in, in terms of the, the Rangers, just real quick, uh, what are their needs, Matt? And, and is Kako the guy, is, is, he, is he fit for the Rangers? Well, you know, he may – he's a winger. As I said earlier, he has played some center, but he's projected as a winger. Wingers tend to have a little less impact uh, without a center, and the Rangers have one center, and that's Mika Zibanejad. Down the middle, they're kind of weak. Now, a lot of things can happen between now and the start of next season. They could re-sign Kevin Hayes, who they traded uh, to Winnipeg. Uh, He could come back. They could pick up another center along the way, and that would make Kako 
uh, more valuable. But you do need a center. You need someone who has the puck and can get it to you in a scoring position in order to have an impact as a wing. There are wingers who can single-handedly do things, but they're made inordinately better when they have talent uh, to their left or right, wherever the wherever they're lining up, left wing or right wing. So will he help the Rangers? No question about it. But he will not have as much impact initially as a center will. Mm-hmm. And we do have that other team out on the island there. I wrote a quick article because, we, you know, look, they had a great season and we don't cover them that much. But can you give us a couple words on the the Islanders uh, Pittsburgh series that starts out in uh, in Nassau Coliseum? Yeah, it'll be intriguing. That's for sure. Uh, Pittsburgh with a pedigree, but they finished below the Islanders in the standings. You count out a team of Pittsburgh's caliber Mm -hmm. at your own peril. The Islanders, I won't say have done it with smoke and mirrors because that disparages the job that Barry Trotz has done as a coach. As a broadcaster, I get a vote for the Jack Adams Trophy, Mm -hmm. which is uh, named or goes to the coach of the year. My number one pick was Craig Berube, the head coach in St. Louis, because he came in in November after their head coach had been fired. Uh, He took over a mess. The team fell to the bottom of the league in points early in January. And he almost won a division title. He got them going in the right direction. So he got my number one vote. Barry Trotz got my number two vote. He tightened things up defensively. But it's a different world, the playoffs. And I think it's going to be a challenge for the Islanders to get out of that series. Getting off to a good start is critical. The home ice advantage at Nassau Coliseum is probably worth half a goal. But watch out for Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. That being said, Pittsburgh's defense is not as good. Their goaltending is a little questionable. And so it certainly is possible that the Islanders will advance. Yeah, and, you know, but the Penguins no playoffs, right? So they're always tough and, you know, so... What, they what, do, what, but it's a different team. They've mm-hmm. been banged up this mm-hmm. year and you can see their weaknesses. And they're a team that is definitely on the decline. There's no question about it. They have holes to fill. But when you've been at the top for so mm-hmm. long, that invariably happens. But again, they've got enough talent and experience to make it difficult for an Islander Mm -hmm. team. I'm not sure which way I go on this one. Um, My heart says Islanders. My Mm -hmm. head says Pittsburgh. Right. Well, we'll move on from the NHL and uh, let's uh, talk about the national championship, Johnny. How about that game Monday night? One shining moment for the Wahoos of Virginia. Yeah. That's all you can say. I mean, Talk about a switch from one year to the next. They become the first number one mm-hmm. seed ever to lose to the number 16 seed. It was um, Maryland, Baltimore County. And talk about embarrassing. They had to live with that for 365. And they used that as a rallying cry. And it worked. I mean, they were a number one seed again. They were in their first round game. I, for, I forgot this. They were down 14 points in their first round game to the yeah. number one seed, uh-huh. or number 16 seed again. Of course, they came back and blew their doors off in the second half. And then along the way, they played in some of the more memorable NCAA tournament games I can remember in you know many, many years, pulling the Purdue game out of their backside where they really had no chance. And then how the Auburn game ends with a foul in the corner. The Kyle mm-hmm. guy makes three free throws. And, and then even in the... The national championship game, there was some controversy with some some officials' calls. But hats off to uh, Tony Bennett and uh, the University of Virginia for a job well done. 
Yeah, and it was a great game, too. It went back and forth. I mean, Virginia would get out to a lead. Texas Tech would get back. They'd take a lead. So uh, nice back and forth. And But those guards were too good for Virginia. I mean, DeAndre Hunter was huge, and he had that big three to tie it. So even yeah. with all that, the Texas Tech still had him, and he had to hit that three to put it, take it into overtime, and then they just took over. And the one thing that stood out to me, John, hello, foul shooting. I mean, those guys yeah. got to the line, and it was bottom of the net, bottom of the net, bottom of the net, without a doubt. I think they hit like 13 in a row, Virginia. I yeah, mean, that's, you know. overtime. Yeah. I and mean, it's funny because in the, in the regulation, they were breaking from the free throw line. They weren't making them, which was, mm-hmm. which was weird. And, uh, you know, going in, um, uh, conventional wisdom was that this was going to be a very low-scoring game and that, you know, at the end of a shot clock, each team is going to get the ball to their All-American. Well, in the first half, Jared Culver had three points and DeAndre Hunter had five. And I think between them, they were maybe one for 15 from the floor. Well, the second half, Hunter just cemented himself as a lead cinch top 10 pick in the NBA draft. He had 22 points in the second half. And Culver really struggled. He wound up with 15, but it was a quiet 15 though, right? Yeah. What's that? It was a quiet 15. I mean, he he, he woke up in the second half, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah. I mean, he was like five for 22 and many of his points came at the free throw line. He did make a great drive at the end to put them ahead by one. Uh, They would go up by three. And then, as you mentioned, Hunter came down, hit a three pointer with about 12 seconds to go to tie it. It was just a terrific game. Unfortunately, the, the overtime was anticlimactic because they sort of ran away with it. But, you know, the regulation just had so many twists and turns. There was one team was up big, the other came yeah. back, they went out again. Mm-hmm. And then it really had a lot for um, for everybody that said it was going to be a ho-hum uh, was... rock fight, you know, 48-47. It really had some fun to it. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great game. Uh, Surprise the Texas Tech. I mean, they 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 got there on defense, and then I guess it was look the guards were just that good, and you know they they you know they gave up eighty five. Granted, was uh, overtime as well, an extra five minutes, but it wasn't the typical Texas Tech defense, was it? No, it wasn't. They uh, Matt Mooney they never got going. Yeah, yeah, and you know Virginia's good. Yeah. I mean, they've been a number one seed now two years in a row, not yeah. by a fluke. They have really good players. What's amazing about Texas Tech, if you dig in on them a little bit, they have not one player on their roster was ranked in the top 100 by these recruiting services. Mm-hmm. I think Jared Culver was like 250. Wow. And, and the kid Matt Mooney was like not even in the top yeah. 500. What, he got, a, he got an offer from like Air Force or something. Yeah, yeah I think right. he played a couple years at Air Force. Oh, okay, so, okay. And they were going up against one of the Blue Bloods in the ACC. And... Um, the coach is terrific. Chris Beard is really, mm-hmm. really good. He, yeah. You know, speculation is he could be the next it guy in, you know, college basketball as far as coaching and getting mm-hmm. uh, up on those ranks. So he should be someone to keep an eye on. Texas Tech will start to get their share of players now. I think it will be the case. Oh, absolutely. They had a great season. Surprise at Virginia. That's their first national championship? Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. I figure, you know, come on. They, they, they've been playing you know, great basketball for a long time. So I, I thought they'd have another one, but uh, congratulations. Them. Ralph a, Sampson back in the day. Yeah. Remember those days, Matt? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. was. He was. But, you know, they also, don't forget, back when he was playing, right, that was before the expansion of the NCAA tournament too, right? Or maybe it was just yeah. around when it happened. So, you know, that's what made the NIT so great because you got – 
terrific teams because mm-hmm. if you didn't win your league, you didn't go. That, but that might have changed a little bit after uh, Ralph came on board. So he might have been – those Virginia teams might have had a little more availabilities. But, yeah. It was nice to see him in, in the crowd. He was there for the games, which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So – Great turnaround by Virginia there, especially after getting bumped in the first round last year. So uh, uh, good job by them. Let's turn to the Masters. One thing I just want to say before we do the Masters, um, for reasons unknown, uh, recently I was looking at the NCAA championship game from 1979, right? Bird versus Magic. By the way, Magic Johnson said goodbye to Los Angeles last night, which was interesting to say the least. But at any rate, do you know what the free throw shooting was? In that tournament game, which everyone says was one of the all-time greats, right? Go ahead. Michigan State shot 70%, 69.7 from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And Indiana State shot 45.5%. So wow. I know it's one snapshot, but next time somebody tells you they were better back in the day, yeah. you can use sure. it. Although, although Magic was 8 from 10. What did Larry shoot? And Larry was 5 for 8. Okay. So uh, right. they held up. Well, Larry a yeah. little bit held up his end of the bargain. Magic did his. But next time, just remember. Next time Phil Mushnick's going railing on about they hit their foul shots or, back or, in the day or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just say, you know, hey, in 1979, uh, they didn't. <laughs> and uh, let's see. What would have happened? You know, wouldn't it? Might have changed. Well, they would have been a lot better because what was the final? Like They they, lo- they won by 11. So mm-hmm. Indiana State would have had to been near perfect at the free throw line mm-hmm. to have upset them. Anyway, yeah. just just a. Brief moment, one shining moment from the past. Yeah, that too. Well, on to the Masters, and which is my favorite. I mean, the Sunday at the Masters, I can't think of a better sports event, really, for me. It's just my favorite. Um, the first major, and in my opinion, the best major uh, of the PGA Tour. Uh, it's, uh, you know, um, I went down in, in 2002, actually saw the course. It was just an amazing trip down there. Just an experience I'll never forget. And I just absolutely love this week. Uh, the azaleas are in bloom, huh, Matt? I like, and I know I'm being redundant here, and I say it every year because I got it. I just believe Justin Rose is going to put on a green jacket. He's been there uh, numerous times. Uh, he's got the game. The one thing about the Masters, which is really important, is being straight off the tee. And he's a guy who just he lines up and hits the ball straight every time. I think that's why he's in contention. He certainly has the iron game and the and the short game too. He can putt, and he's always there. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago he just missed with uh, uh, runner up to Sergio Garcia. I just uh, you know I've, I'm, I've predicted him enough times. I don't want to. I want to keep going while he's in his prime and I believe that he's going to win um but there's a lot of storylines there you can, you can see why Rory everybody likes Rory uh he's been there do we know he had a big blow up on a Sunday many moons ago but he he's playing very well uh, he's got the game he uh he's been in contention the last uh, couple of years so you can see why a lot of people like Rory's just a little bit too obvious of a, of a pick for me uh what, what are you thinking uh, Matt I'm going with Jordan Spieth because I like him. but he's Wow, he's just had a rough season. I mean, but uh, look, he, he and I it'd be a familiarity with the course and the fact that he's done well in the past. Yeah, basically, and uh, you know, I mean, why not? Who who predicted Danny Willett? Right, a couple of years. And ago, don't you so. love those years when you get someone to just out of nowhere that comes out? I think that's I, I like that when that happens. You don't have a, a you know a front runner or someone everybody believes is going to be in contention. How much fun would it be if Tiger was in contention on Sunday? 
It would be fun, but it would just prolong the thought that Tiger's that close to being back. Uh-huh. But it could happen. It probably won't happen. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, come on. It's just not going to happen for Tiger. All those Tiger believers, yeah. please, please. He was a great player, one of the all-time greats, maybe the all-time greatest if you want to look at it that way. But his time has come. And I am tired of all his apologists. Well, you know, he put himself into position. Or CBS, you know, posting a scoreboard that, you know, shows Tiger. But you're like, yeah, but he's 27th. Like, 27th as if making up four shots in the final two days and jumping over 26 other players is really easy to do. Well, obviously, people are still fascinated with him because when he's playing well in contention on Sunday, the uh, the ratings go up. There's no question. He's incredibly popular. I I get that. And I don't deny his Mm -hmm. greatness. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's time to accept the fact that the ship has sailed. Yeah, so what do you think? And, Johnny, is there a golfer you like? Well, first of all, fellas, as we know, it's a tradition like any no like no other. Right? There we go. There we go. Thank <laughs> God Jim doesn't Jim say Nance, it that way. <laughs> Jim Nance has been saying that for the last couple of weeks um, on the air. Uh, you know what? I will. Uh, I'll sort of go off the board a little bit. I mean, as you mentioned, everybody's picking Rory and Dustin Johnson. I know a lot of people are taking um, Dust uh, Justin Rose. How about I'll throw out a name, Tony Finau. I've been watching his mm-hmm. game for the last couple of years. Okay. And again, it's really a crapshoot, but he's been playing He's been playing well, and he's got a good game. And, and I'm just hoping that this year he's not going to jump up in the air on a par three contest and hurt his right. ankle. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, now right? How, yeah, I mean, that's a hit. Look, he's been in contention. He's He hits the ball plenty long, which you have to do. At, at Augusta, and he does that. So uh, no reason why he can't be in contention on Sunday. Let's talk about the two guys that are considered the best that haven't won a major. I mean, Ricky Fowler, do you see? There's something about if he's in contention on Sunday, him not getting it done. I don't, you know, and, and he's a very popular player, and he's got the, he, can, he can win. He has won. He hasn't won a major yet, but he, he has won PGA tournaments. Uh, he's got the game. Uh, he's got the crowd. People love him. But uh, can he do it on Sunday? You know, I, I said for many years that until he took the game more seriously, the answer would be no. He has matured, at least yeah, in my seems, eyes. He seems he has. Oh, he's got married mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And um, at any rate, uh, so I think he has a chance. I think his uh, approach is good, but there is something. There. Yeah. Some guys, listen, you, I, you can't call it choke when you're as good as he is, but some guys just can't rise to that pressure. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. not in them. You know? Yeah. And some then, guys have, yeah. you know, ice cold nerves and they can just mm-hmm. drain a putt. I mean, you look at the focus that what, you know, I mean, Tiger just blew the field away for so many years and it was a psychological advantage as much as sure. it was a physical advantage. And some guys have it, some guys don't. I'm not, I don't know if, if Fowler does. Yeah. It's, it's different at the the Byron Nelson than at the uh, at the at the Masters. A whole different thing on Sunday. You know, I, it, what, the example I yeah. use is from Moneyball, right? So uh, Billy Bean tells the story in Moneyball. He was the first overall pick in the Major League Draft by the New York Mets, and Lenny Dykstra was picked, whatever, much much lower. And they're playing a preseason game against the Phils, and Steve Carlton's on the mound, and we know he's a Hall of Famer, and you know one of the greatest lefties of all time, and Lenny Dykstra looks at the lineup. He's playing that afternoon. 
uh, somewhere in Florida, and he goes, uh, who's this meat on the mound? And Billy Bean goes, oh, why, how, what are you talking about? That's Steve Carlton. You know, he's got this great slider. He's a lefty. He's a Hall of Famer. He's this and that. And he goes, I don't care who it is. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hit him. And Billy Bean said that was the difference between me and Lenny. I had all the tools, but I mentally, uh-huh. you know, I was overwhelmed by the situation. And uh-huh. Lenny obviously had the tools too, but he was like, screw that guy. Yeah. Does he know he has to deal with Lenny Dykstra? Yeah. And uh, that, that's that, great that Billy Bean's, you know, honest about that and, and able to reflect on that. Well, that's part yeah. of his yeah. beginning of Moneyball and why he's tried to go against the grain of right. just the physical mm-hmm. tools. So mm-hmm. uh, there is something about it. The mental mm-hmm. makeup, it's hard to figure yep. out heart and what goes on between the years. But some guys have it and yep. some guys don't. Yep. And that'll do it for us this week on moresportsnow.com. It's our podcast that we do weekly. Uh, check out our site and, of course, uh, our social platforms to Facebook or on Instagram. We're also on Twitter as well. And we'll catch you all next week for Steve, Matt, and John. Bye-bye. Yeah.